And we're back live again, as I talked about in our last podcast on uh, Tuesday. Jeff and I are back again. No highlights of our hockey podcast this time. Nope. We're actually going to be talking hockey this time. Yeah, even I miss with, this. Yeah, even with a lockout, or not a lockout, a uh, pause to the season. We're so used to lockouts yep. in the NHL. Sorry, I got confused. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, so, so the ironic thing, <clears throat> ironic thing is this time that with the season pause being paused and everything, it's actually not that much fault for once. I know, for once. It's a miracle. I know. But either way, we have to deal with no hockey for a while, which means no playoffs at the moment, which would be if we had this season – not paused we'd be in the middle of that right now we would be it's probably close to the end of the first round currently it is because the playoffs I saw something yesterday saying it's been a year since the sharks beat yeah Vegas. i was i was gonna say since sharks beat vegas in that crazy so, game seven yeah. did, did you watch that game live when that happened no because obviously it would have been later oh right but like so like for me if i have the opportunity this, excuse me, especially if it's a game seven, um, it doesn't matter what time the game starts. I need to watch a game seven because game seven is the best right. thing out there for playoff, for playoffs in general, not just playoff hockey, but playoffs in general. It's uh, the most amazing thing ever. Yeah. No, I watched parts of it. I didn't. Yeah. Because once it went to overtime and everything, I don't know if I. Yeah. I honestly don't remember. And, and that's the other problem sometimes with playoff hockey is once it goes to overtime, it keeps going to overtime until someone scores. Flyers, Luckily, fan, Flyers fans know this more than any other. Yeah. <laughs> the longest yeah. game. One of the longest games ever. Keith Primo. Oh, yeah. Keith. But, uh, yeah, no, I actually had to work that night for game seven against the Sharks Vegas. I was not happy. Mm-hmm. And I worked till it was like a 3 p.m. to 1.30 a.m. shift or something like that. And, of course, as soon as either I went to break, if not my shift ended, I think it was probably when my shift ended, the game ended. Uh, and I was like, you've got to be kidding. I literally just missed it. So I didn't get to watch not only a single part of the game, mm-hmm. but I missed one of the best endings. So yeah, yeah I, I was craziest that. endings. Yeah, craziest endings. That, that, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, that was definitely a crazy ending, and unfortunately, we don't have hockey. Yeah, yeah, that's been a rough one. Oh yeah, especially with this Flyers team. Yes, it, it just shows. I guess goes to show the f- hockey gods are not in the Flyers' favor. The one time they actually are dominating because even if you look at we were a point behind washington the first we were three points ahead of the penguins we had just lost after but still so many nine, games in a row and oh in their last yeah. 10 my only thing would have been okay we probably would have started struggling a bit because we just lost a game but <laughs> maybe i feel like maybe. in past flyers teams absolutely this one maybe lose a game but then just pick it right back up because this this team, there's something about this team that just the chemistry it runs all the way through the entire organization. No, it, it's probably obvious. It's just but phenomenal. I think between Patrick and Lindblom, it's them. Yes, I'd yeah. say more so Lindblom because that's definitely when the Flyers started playing better hockey and of course 
not just, oh, we lost a game where, oh, here we go again. We're just going to start falling down now because we're just not going to – we're just that streaky or that way. Right. The fires in the past were always that way. But even after – and it was obviously rightly so just because they were dealing with Limblom news. Yeah. They were on the road. Heg especially, I'm assuming. Just oh, my God, I, yeah. I, out of everyone, is probably the closest with Limblom. Obviously. Yeah. Uh, country mates. <laughs> And everything, but yeah, that was always a rough one for him. I think that's why you see a much better played peg this past season. Yeah, no, for sure. I I really think that he's playing not just seeing his best friend, essentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah, seeing his best friend, essentially, uh, you know, deal and obviously Timmy, and you know, he's not the only one that's going through a tough time with all that, but. When when you're that close with somebody, it, it hits and you, you in a whole in this team especially, it hits you like no other. And and just Robert Hay, yeah, it. it's he he improved very very much, and and he deserves a lot of credit. Uh, I know he's not necessarily a fan especially, favorite. He's not a fan favorite, and yeah, he still has flubs here and there. But for a right. struggling ghost and ghost who was hurt, he was able to come in and fill time. Exactly, and, and you got to give him credit. And then came back up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to give him credit to uh, you know again, like you said, when when he replaced Shane Gossespair in the lineup, he did a phenomenal job at blocking shots while, left and, and right. For a little while there, it was just a carousel because it it was and. Um, yeah, no, it, it's it's nice to see, but also uh, just the fact with this. The only other nice thing about this pause, I will say, is everyone can get healthy. Yep. But I that's also a problem. Exactly when that losing streak happened, I'm just bringing up the Flyers' schedule now. Yeah, um, no, for sure. So while you do that, Mike, uh, let me break down our schedule for today for today's podcast. Um, First and foremost, uh, I do want to bring up, um, I mean, this happened uh, almost two weeks ago now, but uh, it, it needs to be said, um, our sincere condolences to Colby Cave, the oh, yes. Edmonton Oilers forward who passed away at, at the age of only 25 after suffering mm-hmm. a brain bleed. And uh, we want to offer our, our condolences to his family, his wife, and, and uh, friends, his friends. And everyone. In the organization, everyone close to him. It's a extremely, extremely sad situation, and mm-hmm. um, you know, just I offer thoughts press. Yeah, I remember exactly now. Not bringing up the schedule. It was yes. after that Flyers home game where Ch- Kachuk jumped uh, lots. It had oh yeah, 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 Brady Kachuk. Uh, yeah, and then the Flyers uh, had a I bunch of injuries after that, and it came out like Lumplum had. An illness or something. Yeah. Well, no, because at first it was like nothing was really upper body related. Yeah. Nothing was really said publicly about cancer or anything. It was just, it was just upper body injury. injury. But after that game, they won a three game road trip. Colorado. Colorado, Minnesota, Winnipeg. They lost all three. Yeah. Managing only five goals in those three games. Yeah. That was, that was bad. And it came out like shortly before that game in Colorado, the news came out that it was cancer for yep. Blum Blum. Um, and they knew, I think it was said before they took off or right, right, or something right around like that. Or, they took off for yeah. Colorado, they knew, which in that situation, that was rough just to go into that game mm-hmm. in Colorado and play three more. They bounced back when they came back home. They did. That week, hey. they beat 
Anaheim and Buffalo pretty handily 4-1 and 6-1. And then they won yeah, say, a, uh, a shootout the, the against dominated. Ottawa won again. Another destruct, uh, destruction in uh, uh, at home against the Rangers 5-1. And then at the end yeah. of the month, it just another road trip. It's just because yeah, that, that was the beginning of the uh, home and home series in New York, correct? No, 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 no. That was right around Christmas time. Uh, oh, oh, when they yeah, went oh, the I, California, I, I that was when they won the California trip, and they got that's right. I remember that now. One point, and it was, it was or sorry, two points. They won it overtime against Anaheim. Yikes. They got destroyed by San Jose six one. As I just said, won two one in overtime against Anaheim. Lost to LA five three. That game was a lot more blown out than the score shows. Um, then the start of the year, still the same. Lost to Vegas in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Got destroyed by Arizona. And this is where it started to turn over. Uh, they had the home and home with Carolina and Washington. They got a yes. point, and that's where it all started to turn around. Yeah, and they just had been dominating since then. Mm-hmm. And I generally think it was – I want to say somewhere around there, it was right around they saw Lumbaum again. Yeah. And that I think that helped a lot. Too. Oh, yeah. It, it always will spark you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So speaking about Norm Pat, uh, sorry, uh, Oscar Lindblom, um, so not only is Lindblom, but for Nolan Patrick, it looks like their contracts expire at the end of they the do. year. Uh, so we will – Talk about that in just a second. Uh, we got news about Dustin Bufflin. Um, an yes. interview we sneak peeked uh, during uh, Mike, Brian, and I's uh, last podcast together oh, yes. a couple of days ago. Um, the NHL in general, what they can do to hopefully resume the season. There actually is talks about some sort of plan in place. It's not set, but they're at least talking, which is a great sign. Uh, mm-hmm. And then yeah, this is just from uh, TSN from yeah. five hours ago. Just insiders discussing it, and there's. I'm just looking at Twitter, Bob yeah. page. He retweeted it, and yeah. it just shows a forfeit um, thing for the NHL returning. Right, and it goes. And then uh, um, phase one full restriction in effect, obviously. Uh, phase two players return to NHL cities. Phase three teams report to divisional sites. And for phase four, NHL games resume. Um, that doesn't really say much, but I'm pretty sure in that they're just saying there's going to be, I think at first it was one designated city, but now I think they're moving it to four. And I think Bob McKenzie, Mitch was talking mm-hmm. to me about this earlier. There was a, I don't know if it was that insiders thing or some radio or whatever, but they were talking about potential things, not that this was actual or mm-hmm. how feasible it was, but. I guess I think there's 12 potential cities that could host them. Um, one of the things is obviously they, I've, it seems like they want the season to return mm-hmm. and they do not want the teams to move. So I'm assuming that means each division will have their own location and the right. remainder of whatever they seem would be the remainder of the season would be against teams and their division. How that uh, would work, I'm not quite sure because right and, and, and then I mean, we can kind of get into the more of that right now um so it was also gary bettman who told sportsnet on uh on wednesday mm-hmm. just the other day uh, as many as four nhl arenas uh, would host three games each per day without any fans 
in one of the scenarios the league is considering to finish the season. Now, ideas also floated around that before the season ends, they would hold the NHL draft in June, which would be very interesting. I don't know if, if I like that idea. It's not necessarily a fair one because not everyone has played the same amount of games. No. Um, so I don't think they can do that quite yet and, until everyone has played this, the uh, exact same amount of games. So that's the only fair way of doing it. Um, obviously, we, there was the NFL draft last night, and that was somewhat successful for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, Some a couple bumps here and there. If I will be honest. Yeah. But a lot of it, it was kind of cringy. But Yeah, it was Roger Goodell, cringiest so- as finest. yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, when you have a Zoom of fans booing and him egging them on as they're booing, that's, that's yeah. a little cringy for me. Yeah, but, um, but – Back to hockey. Yes. But, no, so I think in order so, – and uh, that was also just talking about um, having, I think it was like three weeks of training camp before the season were to mm-hmm. start. Um, I'm okay with that. Just give some players, you know. Time I think to the practice. players even said themselves that they need. Yeah, they need you, some. You can't type just of rush back. Or, yeah. Exactly, you can't just rush back into. Um, and I think Brian put it best too um, in a couple of podcasts we did for a roundtable, just playoffs in general. Mm-hmm. You can't just jump right back into playoffs either. No, you no, need these that, guys that's to not be possible. arrested and come in. But talking about playoffs, that was another thing that was brought up um, in this kind of four city kind of thing they wouldn't want a wild card in the playoffs because they wouldn't want teams to travel to one to mm-hmm. one division like Metro going to Atlantic or vice versa. So I think one yeah. potential option would be four teams from each division make it. Right. Which and would be great for Florida. It would be a headache for everyone in the Metro. Yes. Rangers, Blue Jackets, Hurricanes. Yeah. Um, some other things that uh, Bettman did bring up is that uh, he said, <clears throat> excuse me, he said, quote, we can't play in a small college rink in the middle of a smaller community because if we're going to be centralized, we need the back of the house that the NHL arenas provide, whether it's multiple locker rooms, whether it's the technology, the procedures, the boards and glass, the video replay, the broadcasting facilities, the NHL would need four uh, NHL caliber locker rooms in each arena because and, and this brings this article brings up a good point from NHL.com. If if they play three games per day in one reason, uh, sorry, in one arena, uh, it would need to use appropriate sanitizing procedures as teams move in and out, um, according to Gary Batman, which makes sense though. And to hotel accommodations, how right how that works, how team skates work, how all that works is going to have to be played in this as well. Exactly. And, and, and again, that's something me and Mitch were talking about, at least something I brought us like, how would that even work? Right. Not, not only that, but think about though. Something would that each brought... team just find their own kind of training facility somewhere and go there? Or would each team have to stay at that place and that just after every practice, they have to do a quick scrub down of everything. Right. But here's the other thing, though. Uh, he brought up a great point in that statement that I just read from Gary Bettman. Um, what about the technology? Had a great statement. I, I know. It's shocking, isn't it? Uh, but, but seriously, though, what about the technology? You know, think about, like, the goal cameras, the, uh, the goal cams and everything. 
the newly made idea for the puck for the playoffs that they were I cannot stand that thing. Yeah, because they, they wanted to introduce that in the playoffs this year. Granted, there was this situation with Konechny when they put their capitals where that kind of situation could have helped in deciding, deciding if that puck went in or not. Right. Even so, so, there's some, like Jeff, who are not opposed to that idea of the puck tracing. Yeah, it's it's not my favorite thing. Mm-hmm. It, it's... I don't know. It, it, it's such a because because remember that they did something similar to this. I think it was like in an All Star game or something like that in the years game. ago in early two thousands where they literally had like a blue trail. Like every time the oh yeah was passed or shot, it looked just bizarre. I don't know if that would be it. I don't know if it's more so that or just they want to do it statistically speaking right. that way. They, they, I think um, what they did it was at the All Star game. It was a sneak preview of, of something game, like yeah. that. this past All Star game. Thank you in St. Louis uh, during the women's three on three game, and they gave mm-hmm. a little sneak preview of it. It just didn't look good though. No, uh, but now there's the All Star game itself because didn't they have another new technology thing where it was tracking edge player? Right, exactly. The, the player tracking everything. Yeah. I, I just, again, that too, I, I was not a fan of. It just no. looked too messy on the screen. I get it. Uh, you know, uh, people have trouble reading the nameplates and everything and reading the numbers because uh, hockey is such a fast paced sport. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just, I'm not a fan. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure you're not the only one on that, I'm sure. No. Um, all right, so we got that off the list. Uh, quick news here. But how uh, would you Elvis, like? What would you? Yeah. What do you think would be the best option? Or do you think that would kind of be? It? Um, that's a great question. So because the thing I'm seeing is, if that is the thing, it'd be what July they want to come back. Hopefully, because uh, what again? Just but also, it had the, to be cities that have it either the virus well under control or not. Yes, cases. Toronto, you can do even though they have a bunch of arenas that they could easily do it at. That's a kind of hot spot right now. Right. New York, obviously. State. No. Philadelphia, that probably wouldn't be. Jersey, no. Jersey, no. no. So, um, so, and the Metro had to be, I think, one of the places was Raleigh. Raleigh. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really is tough to say, but. Um, and even if, with that, you I'll have put it this, depending yeah. on like say if you did like Vegas or Arizona because Arizona's put their name out as well. Yeah, that's middle of summer, dry heat in the ice. That's really choppy that's ice. That's not going to happen. Yeah, that is not going to happen. Even if they go down Florida way, either. That's yeah, what down there. Um, the Nashville. other thing I will say though is, even if they continue, the only way it will work. They cannot have fans. Yeah, that's and, not going to happen. Exactly. It's not going to happen. I know they're not the biggest of fans of having a cup be delivered in an empty arena. But – and that, that also brings up another question actually. Uh, so so similar to the 2013 situation with the lock and everything, obviously the Blackhawks won that year, and it was a shortened season. But, you know, they won everything. So how, how do you think – teams would feel if the cup was given out this year let's say in the hypothetical situation that we continue playing doesn't have to be fans but games continue we have the playoffs and a team wins the Stanley Cup 
do you think that teams will be happy that the Cubs at least given out, or do you think teams will be pissed and saying, well, th- this is kind of ridiculous, you know, like, l- look at all what's happening. It- it's not fair to us. We didn't have a fair shot type of thing. And wh- what do you think about all of that? League-wise, they'd want it because they want someone to actually win the Cup. Right. I can only kind of speak as Flyers fans. Mm-hmm. For as well as they were playing and some predictions and everything were having yes. to go far in the playoffs, you can only believe that for so however you want to go about believing that. Yeah. Um, but, and as we talked at the beginning of this podcast, as, as well as the Flyers have played, I would have, if they won the cup, I wouldn't care if it was in an empty arena. The only problem would then be parades. How would that happen? Yeah, that's, a, that's even another point you got to bring up. Um, I, didn't even I don't, and the, I don't think the players would. Oh. The players would care because there's no fans to be like, yeah, this is for you, unless right. you're away. Then there's not yeah. that situation. The players know that firsthand. The FCC will also have a huge issue mm-hmm. probably during these hockey games because think about how many times you, you're just playing, you know, hockey. These players, yep, and that bomb drops. Yeah, but there's yeah, but I think fans, the players would still be excited to get a. It's the oh, Stanley sure. Cup. They still worked hard for it. You still oh, no, played the majority of the season. You just didn't play the last month. Right. The last full month. Yeah. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. What, uh, what's so, your thinking on that? Uh, um, just by, like, handing out the cup and everything? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I wouldn't mind it at all. Uh, again, it would be nice to see – the cup getting handed out this year to a team. Um, it, it's just really tough to say on, on, on all of this. This is just, Wait, let's just yeah. put this hypothetical out. Say, yeah. cause we're Flyers fans, obviously right. say the Flyers had won. Like yes. Now. Would you yes. feel any different if it's an empty arena? Um, probably not. Um, it, it, it would be a little bit bizarre seeing the team just celebrating by themselves and everything. Because think about it. Imagine if that cup was won in Philly. Oh, my God. Like It would be like the Super Bowl Yeah. Uh, for Philadelphia. Like you when they won. Every weekend, ago. NBC, NBC Sports have been playing the replays of game-clinching Stanley right. Cups. Just and look you just at see crowds. the crowds. You see that. That's part um, of the best yeah. thing ever. When the thing that I really hated when at home. were showing those where they weren't showing the ceremonies when they won the cup. That's right. The most, the, that's the fun part that, of it. It's exactly. Just, it really is. Because, uh, again. The only one that didn't happen was 2010. I don't know what happened in 2010, but the cup just never came out that year. No, it, it disappeared just like uh, game, the pucks to games one and two. Yeah, I don't <sighs> know what happened. Um, but moving on from that sort of subject. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think it, obviously it's going to be very different. But but how would you feel it being like at a neutral site, like the Super Bowl kind of thing? Any different feeling there, or do you think? Um, if you can play the game, I'm more than for it. Mm-hmm. Again, you just have to think about everyone's safety. But here's the other problem, though, because perfect example. Uh, I'm pretty sure I just got to look at the stands really quickly. Um, what do you do for the time being? Because we do know for a fact that, because it's been reported, that a couple members of some teams, including the Colorado Avalanche, who are currently second in their division, you know, 
-hmm. some players from their own team have been tested positive for this thing. Now, I'm not saying, you know, it's also have to, if they come back, say, around the same time the NBA does, I'm assuming they try using different arenas, but if they're using the same arenas, they have to. Right. That's be how this, even oh, more is, cautious. Yeah, this is why I was cautious to begin with when at first broke in the right. NBA and everything. And when Ruby yeah. Gobert first was ruled, uh, was made positive. Yeah. Um, but no, but you really got to be very careful with all this going on. This, again, like Colorado. No, I'm not saying that, you know, come playoff time, if they're to come, everyone thinks it's going to come back from this, you know, that any members of their team could still possibly have this thing, but just, you know, you just got to throw it out there in that scenario though. Cause let's face it, Colorado, Here's, they're in a playoff you, spot right now. Not to go completely off topic here, but yeah, still kind of just back to the four teams in each division. How do you think fans would, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of fans, especially teams in the Metro that feel cheated about that. Oh, uh, again, I guarantee you the New York Rangers are going to be one of them because, again, rightfully so. (laughs) (laughs) Right, but because, again, and that's the problem with this whole thing is – Just quickly before we go too off, this is how how the standings are right now. This is how each division would be. And the Metro, Washington, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Carolina. Mm. Are you going just top four, correct? Top four, yeah. Okay. Um, Boston and uh, not in the Atlantic, it'd be Boston, Tampa Bay, Toronto, Florida, Columbus, New York, and both New Yorks would be pissed about that because they would have they have a lot less points and they'd make the playoffs. And the West, uh, Central, St. Louis, Colorado, Dallas, and then Winnipeg, and the Pacific, Vegas, Edmonton, Calgary, and Vancouver. Again, yeah. Nashville might feel cheated about that. Same points, right. but uh, again, I, I know I for get why I get why they don't want that wild card kind of thing, just because travel reasons, yeah. that kind of thing, and they want the neutral locations. But you're not gonna. I feel like you're coming back. You're gonna piss off somebody. It's just no matter. However, you can piss off the least amount of fan base or team out there if you continue these games in the playoffs at some point. Start no matter what. There's going to be at least one fan base and one team. In my opinion, I guarantee it's going to be the New York Rangers if they don't make the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Because no offense to their team or their fan fan base, though. That's just how they kind of are, though, sometimes. You know, and, and again, I, I get it. They have a right to be pissed if their team doesn't make the playoffs and, you know, gets kind of not, you know, like cheated, screwed out of this thing. But, well, if you're so worried about that, why not play better hockey earlier on in the year? Then you wouldn't be in that situation, you know? Right. So, I don't know. Yeah. But. Because even. Because for me, at least, I feel Philadelphia and New York fans are kind of similar in a way. But oh, if, yeah. like, if it was Philadelphia and that happened, people would freak out. Oh, yeah. I, 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 again, I'm not saying that New York's the only fan oh, yeah, base. Every fan base would be. But exactly. I'm just saying, every fan going base. Back, yeah. Basically, we can only kind of say just based off Flyers fans, but right. how our fans would react to it. But yeah. That's kind of how it would be. But, anyways. Right. And, um, and it's fair to say, though. Mm-hmm. But um, all right, More so league whites are is that kind? Of, I think that's kind of it. Kind of reopening. 
Yeah. Um, so other league news are uh, going around. This ha- happened, I think, just yesterday, if not the day before. Elvis Merzlinskins uh, got a two-year contract extension with the New York – New York uh, – Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, what, do eight, you think that means – because when I first read that, do you think that yeah. means uh, they're – oh, no, never mind. Corpusello signed. I don't know why I thought Corpusello was a free agent after this year. I guess he was. I oh, no, know. he did sign too. Yeah, no, Cor- Corby signed as well. Yeah. It did. Yeah, so Corpusello. He... Okay, never mind. Forget what I was about to say. <laughs> So Corpusala did resign as well, but uh Merzlinskins, uh it was uh eight mil, so that's four mil AAV. Uh that was on Thursday. And what else? Oh, uh, news regarding the Flyers. Swedish forward Linus Sandin, the older brother of um Toronto Maple Leafs defenseman Rasmus Sandin, is intending to sign with the Philadelphia Flyers. Now, according to Chris Johnston of uh, hockey uh, of uh, Sportsnet, he cannot officially do so until the NHL finalizes new international transfer agreements. Um, it does sound like the IIHF transfer agreements will be such have been extended for a year. Either way, there's no official entry level contract yet, but Sandine uh, Sandine has picked the Flyers from the group of interested NHL teams. I got a brother. Yep, he <laughs> got to get a brother. Uh, Sandin was one of the SHL's top scorers with 19 goals for HV71 last season. And like I just said, he had multiple NHL offers. And as always, we got the better brother. Yes. Um. Yeah, so I'm curious to see, you know, when he'd be able to sign that entry-level contract with Philly and also owe um, – just to see what kind of player he is, like how how he is on the ice, what's he like off the ice, you know, like how will he mesh with this kind of group? Because um, so earlier in the season, it was Kevin Hayes who said on the Spit and Chicklets podcast that uh, the, this team in Philly is, and this is only like at, at this point in time, it was only a couple months into the season. He said this is probably one of, if not the most tightest groups of uh, of a hockey team he's ever been on. So again, how would it a shows. player like it, it? It really does. As and how would it, mentioned earlier in the podcast, yes. how would a player like Sandine fit in this kind of culture? I don't know. Yeah. So again, uh, that, that's kind of way like, It could be like Grant. Grant came in here flawlessly. Yeah, he really, really did. Uh, like and he, Thompson and like is he, winning fans' hearts by giving them uh, four pucks a game. <laughs> yeah, and he's a pretty decent defensive defenseman. He's, he's not bad. And the he's craziest thing was in that last game the Flyers played, the game we went to, um, yep. he was the first guy out there with Gatorade on the PK. He was. The, Flyer, the Flyers obviously saw something high in Thompson, too. Yes. So and, and, it's going to be interesting yeah. to see how they handle that next season. No, Plus for sure. Because let's see. Here. So, because well, four UFAs this season, this upcoming <laughs> off season. Yeah. Dave Thompson, Tyler Pitlick, Derek Grant. Five. And, they have five. And Justin Braun. Oh yeah, and Brian Elliott. But and Brian Elliott. And then he's, he's just going to get resigned for another year. Probably. And then they do have three. Uh, I like they have uh, five RFAs. They have Nicholas Abe Kubel, who has exceeded expectations, and he will rightfully so get a contract extension. Mm-hmm. Um, Robert Haig and Philip Myers, or Phil Myers, however you want to pronounce it, um, 
And as we mentioned earlier on the podcast, the, Noah Patrick and Oscar Lindblom. Yes. So that's where it kind of starts getting tricky. So let's start with Robert Haig. What do you do with Haig? He has played some of his best hockey ever in his rather young NHL career. Uh, he is only 25. He is making 1.15 mil right now. So rightfully so. He could get a little bit more than that. Uh, possibly one and a half I'd to say, two mil. Yeah, I'd say that. One and a half to um, two mil. If you were to re-sign him, though, that's the thing. If you were. Or you could maybe trade his trade his rights. Because there's another young... De- the only problem with when you go Hague or even Morin, because we'll still have him by the yeah. start of next season as well. Um, you have guys like Cam York who are and uh, Igor Zamula as well. There's yeah, Zamula. Mark Friedman's played a couple times this season. Yep. Um, I won't say he's as high as those guys, but he's still yep. he a guy also, who's Wiley. 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 Who just signed his NHL uh, entry contract as well as uh, and also Wade Allison, Wade Allison and um, Tanner Lozinski was the other one who signed his entry level contract as well, which is great to lock those guys up. I'm also, very excited for also those guys. Too, Chris Stewart is also UFA. Yes, well, he's as good as gone. Yeah, but he was another guy the Flyers signed. That, that yeah, that, that was just a mistake. Um. But yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they would go about with this yeah. new guy, how he fit, and I think it'd just be a battle for next season, and more so for Haig. Um, as the guys just mentioned, like Cam York, even though he might have another year, or is he going back to college? I um, he I can't remember what he, what he's going to do. So he's currently applying for the University of Michigan right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll have to take a look to see what's been going on with him. I want to say he might be going back to Michigan, which would not surprise me. Um, he, yeah. He's been playing very well there. Uh, so right now it, it's not the biggest of deals, but he will be pushing on the doors on some of these defensemen. Right. Um, um, so it honestly can't hurt for Cam York to go back to Michigan for another no. year. Um, um, which means he could sign Haig for another year or two. Right. Assuming a year Michigan, another year maybe – Phantoms maybe comes up halfway through, maybe missed the camp after Michigan. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, then you have Phil Myers too, who, you know, he's, I put him for me at least above Robert Higg. Um, oh, yeah. At the moment, playing better than Ghost. Um, but again, he's only 23. So he's even younger, and I guarantee he's going to yeah. get some type of contract. So Oh, I, I just think realized something. 678,000 probably just jumps up to maybe a mil, yeah. which isn't right. anything. And he still has a lot to prove, so he's not going to demand that much money, and the Flyers aren't going to give him that Here's much. the other thing. I just realized Cam York just got done his freshman year at Michigan. Did he? Yes. Okay. Uh, he put up only 16 points in 30 games, but I that's do cool. remember he had a couple injuries, yeah, including I think it was, it was a high ankle sprain. So he didn't have his best year, but for when he did actually play, mm-hmm. he looks pretty dang good. Isn't he big, too? Was he a bigger defenseman? Uh, I believe so. And not only that, but he's very fast. He, no, he I has thought he, a I thought he great his, puck moving ability. I thought he had his card up. Uh, he's only 5'11", 175 oh. pounds. So there is room for him to grow. Okay. But, so, I thought he was bigger. Well, then again, is that 5'11 on skates or off skates? That's a good question. 
Because I was going to say the fire steed just got a lot bigger because for me, I thought it was bigger, but I guess not. Right. Because um, that's the one thing I think everyone really, especially scouts and I think the fire's coaching staff, really like about Phil Myers is he skates he, really well for a guy his size. Big guy, yeah. So, uh, again, guy that, that's the kind of way people were hoping Sam Marin would skate. Just because the injuries have yes. kept them from it. Yeah. Um, I will say, though, for um, especially Phil Myers, though, he, he has blossomed into a, a tremendous player. And this is – he's making Ron Hextall look like a genius. Remember, Phil Myers went undrafted when, in reality, he should have been a first-round pick. That's why anyone who's in the draft right now in any sport just – if you're not just keep drafted, doing what you're doing. You're late round pick, don't get too upset about it because right. NFL, you could easily pick out Tom Brady. Uh, exactly. NHL, you can pick out a bunch of UFAs, late round picks where you're like, okay. Henrik Zetterberg. Jordan Bennington, if you're a goalie. Bennington. Get all these guys, you know, Oscar Lindblom, who's a fifth round pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got all of these guys who. That's not the end of the world if you're not in the first three not. in the first three rounds. Right, but also or even picked other, for Phil Myers' yeah, case. Yeah. Here's the other nice thing I will say though. He's is, also the same age as Ivan Provorov. Let's think about which that. Is, He's yeah, 23. 23. <laughs> but yeah, look, look how young the Flyers' defense core is, excluding Matt Niskanen and Justin and, Braun. Yeah. Their oldest is 27, um, and Ghost. And that's Goss Despair. Yeah. But even with Braun and Niski, the average age is 26.9. The youngest out of, 33. Any, out of any age. Offense, defense, or forwards, defense, and goalies. That's the youngest. Yeah. Yeah, and even their forwards, 27.6. Mm-hmm. I'll take it. That, that, that just shows, like, how young the Flyers team is. And the fact that There's, they're doing this well yeah. with this young, much young talent, that's scary. There's going to be a battle, though. 100%. I just remembered. German Rooftop, Mark and Frost. There's other yep. guys that would be a battle for Isaac Ratcliffe if you want to throw him in there as well. Yeah, you, you certainly um, can. Um, David Kosher, perhaps. Misha came yeah. up a couple times. Um, I think, unfortunately, Mikhail Vorobiev's time, it's slowly but surely coming to an end. Probably, um, yeah. But I can't rule him out either. Or yeah, you can't rule him out. Because they both were on this team. Right. Or Kasha. Yeah, David Kasha. The better Kasha. Yes. Um. But so right now, looking at the line combinations for the Philadelphia Flyers, it's Claude Giroux, Sean Couturier, and Jake Borchuk on the top line right now, according to dailyfaceoff.com. You have Joel Farabee, Kevin Hayes, and Travis Konechny on his second. The third line is Scott Lawton, uh, Derek Grant, and Tyler Pitlick. That's a tremendous depth line right there. That, that's, if, you could, if this that's awesome. comes in and brings up 19 goals, that's terrific bottom six as well. Yeah. That's something you're dying to see. For a bottom six team and player, mm-hmm. uh, Michael Raffle, Nate Thompson, Nicholas Aubrey Kubel, that has every bit of speed and grit right there. We've seen uh, it for that fourth We line. saw it many times where even in the Flyers' winning streak, when there were moments when they were kind of struggling to get going, that fourth line was what it took. It exactly. Aubrey Kubel, uh, Raffle, Thompson, Thompson, any of them. Yeah. Pitlick, because um, he was there for a while too on the yeah, fourth line. Yeah. Um, but that bottom six, though, is very key right now for Philadelphia. So I don't know what the odds are. That's of- why I think, again, he's not going to get it, but he has to get an honorable mention for GM of the year for 
Chuck Fletcher. Oh, absolutely. He's he uh, such created and then signed Kevin be, Hayes. Yeah, he got Nat Niskin in. Uh, Justin Braun, although at first it was not looking good, yeah. even and Justin even if Braun has looked even better even if than we what we can imagine. I wouldn't hate it because, again, as we just mentioned, Cam York and other guys. Right. Um, so and I think, Braun, that, I think we're at past that mindset where they're past young two young defensemen yeah. together. Um, so I'll, I'll, let me put it this way. So looking at the Flyers' Because if you contracts, lose Braun, then you have – you that, don't have that to gives have healthy scratch. 3.8 mil in cap space right yes. there. And then that means not re-sign him. Say nothing else really changes defensively, even though I feel like they might want to go after another defenseman if that happens. But it, if they it depends on the market. healthy scratch would probably be Mark Friedman. Yeah, and, and, and I'm not complaining. Hag, your third pair would be either Hag, Myers, Ghost, and that's actually a pretty solid deep pair. Yeah. Got speed and, and size. Speed, size, some still have development to do. Myers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Friedman still a little bit. Um, Would you say but, Sanheim is in any development left to to do? Uh, he just has to prof- uh, be more consistent. That's my only thing with him. Okay. He, he has moments where he can be really well, and then moments where he kind of disappears. He, we saw it this year. But the thing I really like about his work ethic is when he does struggle, he's working on his skating. He's doing everything else because a lot of what makes Travis Sanheim work best is his skating. If that's not going well, he's not playing well. And here's the other thing, though. The Flyers drafted him if it was either 14th, if not 17th overall back in 2014. I can't remember which one. But right now, that's looking like a steal at 14 or 17, wherever he went. Sanheim's a really good defenseman. He yeah. is, and, and he's... he should be playing. And no offense to Niskin, and I understand why he's on there. He yeah. should be on the power play more. I guess so. so here's playing, but if Goes is playing, I still want Sanheim on the power play because he has just as good of a shot. Even Myers does as well. But those are just mine. So, Mike, let me ask you this: Elaine Vigneault or Michel right. Terrier? Yeah. So, so let me ask you this: So, how much longer do you think Matt Niskin has left in the tank? He's 33 right now. Right now, he's looking good for Philadelphia. Um, Three, four years, maybe. And I'm okay. I say by the end, I I say at the end of the contract right now is probably the best you're going to get from him. After this, you're going to see gradual decline in Matt Niskanen. And so his contract expires 2021, 2022, making 5.75 mil right now. Mm -hmm. Um, Hey, I'll be the first one to say it. Uh, When they first traded Gudis for Niskanen, I wasn't a fan of it. Obviously, things change, Mm -hmm. and so it has my opinion. Completely. I think, I think the thing that changed was there was Niskanen. He played on two rivals. We didn't know much about him. Back to and that's fair. We uh, knew he buddy, won cups. Yeah. He knew he won the cups, so that is a big get for why the Flyers went after him. I think only I've, one cup actually, and that was cup, with Washington. That's more than everyone else in this right. Conference. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, but. Uh, That's why right, he so, brought both Braun. I think why he traded for Braun and yes. Niskanen. Obviously, Braun never winning a cup, but he went far in the playoffs. He yeah, made, it made to, it to the cup finals. He made it to the cup finals. He didn't go as far as last year. Or did they go? To, no, they went to the Eastern Conference Finals or Western Conference Finals. finals. Yeah, last year. So he knows late. Uh, the or he knows what it takes to get there. Yeah. And, and, and veteran leadership like that in mm-hmm. Niskanen and Braun, that and is add, why you add so Drew, key. JVR, and yep. them, even though that happened, 
10 years ago, they yes. also were in the cup and they were like to be in the playoffs. Drew knows what it's like many times to put the short, put the pressure on his back to do well. Yeah. And that shows a lot. It really does. All right. So let's do this really quickly, Mike. Um, so go into the Flyers contracts. Yes. Um, all right. So let's start with Nate Thompson. He's the first UFA on cap friendly here. Um, He's 35, only making one mil. So with the with the strong possibility of the Flyers signing uh, Sandin, yeah. Do you keep Thompson? Do you let him go? Do you what do you do with him? I'd let him go because if you let him go and say you keep Pitlick and Grant and you just have which I'm perfectly okay with, and nothing else really changes in terms of forwards and anything. Yeah, that actually I think helps your uh, depth because. Your depth is already pretty good defensively. Mm. If you can add Sundin and can, you can bring over his scoring touch, that helps the bottom six a lot more because that's yeah. the one thing that's kind of still not great in our bottom six is right. producing. They produce here and there, but it's not consistent. That's why we brought in Grant. No. He's, got, he's good defensively, but look at what he's done this year goals-wise and everything. Yeah, and um, he's made some very heads-up plays and everything. Mm-hmm. So, now so I think late playoff-wise, you need that depth and everything. That's great, but if you can, if you lose anyone and you're, it's not that big of a loss, Thompson's probably my top. Person. Yeah. Um, what about you, Tyler Pitlick? He has earned a contract with Philadelphia. He's yes. only making one mil. Um, this is his first year with Philly uh, when they traded um, – oh, God. The rights of Ryan Hartman. Yes, Ryan Hartman, thank you, for uh, Tyler Pitlick. At first, I wasn't impressed with the trade. I thought he's fourth line at who, best, I maybe AHL. Was, I didn't know who he was at all, but wow. At the same time, he's, I think we both had different reactions to that trade too. <laughs> yeah, we did. I, you're more higher on Hartman than I was. Yes. Because I didn't see much from Hartman to say whether they're keeping or not. So and and okay that's unfortunate with... because Hartman certainly has potential. Yeah. Um, he just didn't get enough playing time in Philadelphia to really prove his worth. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, it sucks, but, you know, but for what we got in Tyler Pitlick compared to Ryan Hartman, obviously it's easier to say that we prefer to have Tyler Pitlick right now. Yeah. I don't know who so, Tyler Pitlick was before the season started, obviously. I didn't know either. Fourth line, he was a fourth-line guy. I heard he was good. The things I heard was he was a pretty good fourth-line guy. I was like, yeah. okay, let's see what he can do. That's how and, I do most of these things. Yeah. I have my initial kind of presumptions. Like Reaction. Even when, yeah. Even when you go back to the trade deadline, if you want to listen to that, go a couple of podcasts below this. It's their last highlight we had. Was there, no, that's upcoming. <laughs> The last yes. one was uh, the past 10 years. That one's coming up. But if you want to listen to that, head over to our SoundCloud page, we're a quick podcast um, for the trade deadline. But in that, you could easily hear my not-so-great feeling of trading for Thompson and Grant. Again, these right. guys. I heard of Thompson, but when I saw I've heard of Thompson, team, Grant, I vaguely heard of, but I knew they were yeah. just, again, bottom, saw, not even just bottom six, but pretty much uh, fourth line players. When I saw Grant's stats, I'm like, okay, that's, that's pretty good. Better than I expected. Goals for having to put up that many goals for a fourth liner, that's great. Thompson, I was still not the greatest kind of uh, feeling of, but I again I got him. Right. Depth, 
steps kind of wins championships. Now. Yes, but also not only that, but he's a pretty decent penalty killer. He is. Uh, so you gotta give him credit there. I okay, am. so next on that's the a, list, that's is, his strong suit is the PK. Yes, being defensive. it really is. Uh, ironically, next on on the list is Derek Grant. Uh, Grant, he's again he's earned a contract extension with Philadelphia. Will he get one? Possibly. Should he get one? I think he absolutely should. Um, if that's just Slush, my opinion, though. Yeah, if Slash one the season comes back, if he can play as hot as he did in the seven games he played for the Flyers at the trade deadline, he put up five points in seven games. If he can keep up that production that he was keeping all season, because he's now got 25 points this season. Yeah. You might not good think for that's him, a lot. That might not think that's a lot, but a fourth liner, that's pretty good. That's a good amount for a fourth liner. And more than half of them are goals. The third line. But. Yeah. Um, all right. So now it comes to Nicholas Albekubel, who's an RFA. 100%, they need to sign him. They do. The fact that he cleared waivers earlier this mm-hmm. season was mind-boggling. Like the fact they, that mm-hmm. he the, got sent down and teams had a chance to claim him, no one did. Mm-hmm. That's shocking. It we is, both know of Nack's talent. We know, but not everyone look at did who at that was time. taking over for the team. Chuck Fletcher, still, this is just his year in. He, right. A couple months ago was a full year of him being on the Flyers. Uh, Flyers GM. Yes. Um, so, system-wise, he didn't know that much about these prospects and these guys close to it. Yes. Now they did, obviously, Elaine Vigneault. Right. He came but, in over the summer. Um, Abbe Kubel, I will say, didn't shine during training camp or the preseason, no. so I understand why he was sent down. And, and that makes sense. I also understand why he was brought back up, because he was killing it in the eight and the AHL yes. for the Phantoms. So um, the other thing I will now he's higher rated for the Flyers going forward. Right. The other thing I will say about Nicholas Albekubo, he has toned down his playing style a lot. Mm-hmm. And you probably know exactly what I'm referring to, Mike. Earlier in his playing career with the Phantoms, he would have these high and relatively dirty hits. Mm-hmm. And they're just hits he that he could not make in the NHL. In the AHL, yeah, he, he does, and his number was known in the AHL, and it, it was not a good thing to do or to know, be known for. But he's completely changed that around for him, and, and that's, that's really awesome, the fact that he is. Because he's become a pretty strong depth guy for Philly right now in just his first year. I will um, say th- his speed and tenacity is showing as well. I agree. But I will say this too, because just thought of it, even though there's no – Grinder or those type of players mm. on this team, rather than yeah. NHL. The Flyers do have three guys who aren't afraid to make hits and kind of get dirty. Pitlick at times right. has thrown big hits. Grant, and the yep. little bit I've seen him, has can do it. And Abby Kubel as well. Yes, and again, that part of his game where and he Thompson just throws too. these me- Thompson. Yes, they all throw these pretty large hits, and when you're getting you know, going at uh, when a guy like Nicholas Albe Kubel is going after you, you're not exactly expecting it. Nope. And even Lots took on, um, wasn't it Lots who took on um, Wilson or was it Albe Kubel? Uh, um, it was, I don't know if if it was, um, oh, or was it 
Thompson. I, I don't. I don't think it, 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 it was might have been Thompson excuse. that took him on. It, it, it was Thompson. It was Thompson. Um, but there's and then also he's going after Lawton. That's what it was. Yeah, <laughs> but it was also the fact that oh god, what was it? Um, for Albert Kubel late in that last game against Washington, where they just got dominated by Philadelphia. Um, there was someone who went after Albert Kubel, and and he he held his own. You gotta give the kid credit there. He, he held his own. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think why the Flyers made some of these moves. Because sure. I thought these guys, Voracek, JVR, Coots, Raffle, Flots, mm-hmm. can't defend themselves. TK, obviously. Right. Um, but these guys also can throw their weight around. Oh, yeah. And, and it all, shows. Not that not every one of these players on this team will jump on anyone for any hit. But these right. guys will not will hit them back, too. I think that's sure. they're not afraid of doing that and showing like they're they didn't do there. it the way the Penguins tried doing it a couple of years ago where they traded for Ryan Reeves and they traded him halfway through the year. Yeah, <laughs> but I remember doing it that. More that subtly, more subtly right. they're doing it. Exactly. But okay. it's absolutely not Legion of or not Legion of Doom, not uh, <laughs> the Brush Street Bullies or anything like that. Right. Um, but it is still this team will not stop or stand down for it. They won't back down. They won't back down, but uh, yeah. How much would you think? Do you think a mill for both of them? Or even throw Pitlick in? For Grant and Thompson? No, Tom, Pitlick, Grant, and Abby Kubel. What would you oh, okay. Give um, so Pitlick and Tom, uh, sorry, Thompson. Uh, Pitlick is making a mill right now. Mm-hmm. Grant and Knack are making 700000 yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think those guys, will, uh, Grant and Knack, will easily get uh, one mil, not 1000 I don't know why I said 1000 <laughs> Um But yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, I'd like for them to get a, you know, again, roughly around a mil I could realistically see um the fact that Pitlick makes already a mil right now, I could see him making maximum one point five mil. That mm-hmm. might even be a little too much for Tyler Pitlick. Uh maybe I, I see between one point two and one point five mil for Pitlick. Okay. What I about could, you? I could kind of see Abi Kubo being between Farabee's contract, nine point nine twenty five thousand to a million. Yeah. Just because he still needs to prove himself in the NHL more. Um, Absolutely. to be able to get more money for me. Um, sure. I could see Pitlick and Grant getting between uh, eh, from where they are to Raffle to two mil, somewhere mm-hmm. around there. Raffle is 1.6 a year. Yeah. And, and I'd say even... more so, I might say more so Pitlick would mm-hmm. probably get more so the higher end of that than Grant, but that's just me. Right. What about Braun? Braun, that's where it becomes a tough question. So right now, like you said, he is making 3.8 mil. Mm -hmm. That that can do a lot for a team. Might not seem like it, but trust me, it can. It also depends on what kind of market there is for uh, forwards or defensemen out there for 
teams, especially uh, again, especially Philly. Um, I, Cam York, like I said, he I, I believe he I'm almost certain he just got done his freshman year. That's why I'm pretty sure it is um, at Michigan. So he's not ready for some time. If you really want to, depending on what the market is, let uh, Justin Braun walk. You get the 3.8 mil back. And if there's a better defenseman out there, that's fine. If there's not, you can either offer to resign him, but you know it's going to cost you a little bit more. Or if you still let him walk, you got someone like Mark Friedman. So we'll see what happens. Um, now, now I'm curious. I want to look up the uh, upcoming defensive players. The best defenseman that's going to be available is Alec Petrangelo, who's UFA. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so for Petro, he, uh, but also Schultz, Tyson Berry are also out there. Oh, all right. So, Mike so Green. Lee Berry is a very good option. Um. You know, I think Barry would be a great option. Uh, you do have TJ Brody, Sammy Vatanen, Cody Cece, who are reliable options. Um, Joel Edmondson, who I could consider like a, a nice you know piece. Trevor Van Riemsdyk. Uh, also, another one we haven't gone into really. It's going to be an expensive one. Well, it, it might. Depends. Uh, Dustin Bufflin. He is now a free agent. His contract was terminated, uh, if we haven't already said. Uh, the Jets and Buffalo have mutually agreed to terminate his contract effective immediately. He is in the fourth of a five-year contract with an AAV of 7.6 mil. Uh, so that's something to keep in mind. He is 35, but he's a force on defense. He's a big, big body, as a lot of us know. Um, but again, that age of thirty-five, you know, we'll see. But also, are... I don't know what he did this, what he was doing this past year in Winnipeg, affects his value going forward, or at least right. Again, maybe about... it drops to like four, three or point or four mil. Who I'll knows? Even, I'll even put it to the sense. What if it's like, um, what's his face, Kovalchuk? Yeah, and that's possible too. Um, he, he lost his did, season, and he took the bare minimum. He, he and when we mean bare minimum, we mean bare minimum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, yeah, or he can't just, play the LA. Or he's for that just much. doing that to just retire. I don't know. He's thirty-five, and and, and that's too uh, possible he's, as well. He's he, thirty-five. Uh, he has cups. I don't. It's up to him. So. He's a cup. A cup. Yes, I. Still not happy about it. Yeah, because after he went to the Thrashers. Yep. Thanks, Bafuglin. Oh, man. But all in all, though, um, he is, regardless, he's a good option for some teams out there, and it it honestly can't hurt to look at Dustin Bufflin. Um, But... Even, so, if so, you're, even if you're a team that could use some power play help yeah, or some scoring help from your blue line, he absolutely right. can help you there. Yeah, no, absolutely. 
we'll see what happens. But so the, there's uh, for Justin Braun. Um, now I believe next person. Uh, we've already talked about Haig and, and Myers kind of. Uh, well, I'll put it this way. So we know Phil Myers is going to get a contract. Now, how expensive of a contract are you going to give him? Nine hundred twenty-five thousand. How much? Nine hundred twenty-five thousand. Oh, oh okay. You know, so, so that makes sense because yeah, he's only making six hundred seventy-eight thousand eight hundred eighty-nine dollars right yeah. now. Yeah. So nine twenty-five. That's obviously a tiny bit of a boost for him, but it, it is possible they that he could want you know, just enough to help him out a little bit more. So, you know, give him a mail. If we give um, uh, Phil Myers $1 million, I, I'm all right with that. It's Reverend only Hague, $1 million. Like A million yeah. and a half, too. Exactly, yeah. It's, yeah it's again, I, I, I think that he's earned it. Um, you know, obviously that there's a little bit more development for him to go, but – He's earned it. He's he's proven for you know again. He's at least proven that he's worthy of the contract extension. Yeah, and I'm just thinking, Elliot's just going to be another year, right? Another, and like that's million. all right too. Yeah, because they're still I, Ustameko, who I think at the moment's or even Lion, if they resign mm-hmm. him, uh, is probably going to be the next person up. He's doing a bit better than Sandstrom. That's kind of. Yeah, Sandstrom, unfortunately, I believe, has been struggling. But but that's that's, just because he's in the HL now. I think he needs another year. So, right. And and I'm okay with that. Give another year for Elliot and then see how you'd feel. Because by then, Hart would be 23, third year Mm -hmm. in. Yeah. So, you'd be fine with. I think you'd be fine taking a risk on Ustameko, Sandstrom, mm-hmm. whoever, because the Flyers have a bunch of goaltenders in their system right now. They do. Um, you know, they, they have they have a bunch. And it honestly wouldn't surprise me if they kind of use one of those pieces as like a trading asset. Mm-hmm. At some point, yeah. And I do believe also that Patrick and Blum Blum will absolutely get a contract. Oh yeah, I, 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 you can't not give those two a contract. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they are both in very tough situations, of course. Um, Blum was making a case for a pretty good career year this year. Oh, absolutely! It one hundred percent would have been a career year. Um, uh, another but, two, three years, I'd be fine with. Yeah, just, just yeah, give so him something can, small. And, yeah. Just so they can have some time to recover. If they come back, then still a little more time after to show what they can still bring. Right. And, and again, it's it's tough, obviously, both situations. Yeah. Both are supposedly from Chuck Fletcher are approving. Which is good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So – but it also so the only other good news with the, again the season paused and everything is uh, everyone is healing. Nate Thompson is healing. Uh, James Van Riemsdyk yep. is healing. This also gives again Nolan Patrick more time to heal. Now there's no official word on Patrick. Thompson was hurt too. Yeah, I did mention him. Um, oh, you did. I didn't hear that. Yeah. 
no worries. Yep. Um, there was a an update from Chuck Fletcher. I can't remember when this was. Let's see here. So. Okay, so uh, quite some time, uh, so at least a couple of weeks ago, the Flyers announced that Myers and Thompson had been cleared to play. Van Riemsdyk is expected clear within one to two weeks. Again, this is on April 10th. So James Van Riemsdyk is expected to be cleared by now, I'd imagine. Um, Patrick continues to work out daily, but has not been cleared for contract. The contact and Marin is expected to be cleared to play in time for the 2020-2021 season. So there's that. And if it's Ugh. if it's to July or whatever the season comes back, they should be yep. healthy. It's just yeah, it's just getting rid of the rust. It, re- it really is, and, and you just gotta be careful with everything. But um, yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, we will. Yeah. Um, I think that's all we really got. The last thing I have. Uh, on my account is uh, the New Jersey Devils. They have interviewed Gerard Gallant uh, for their head coaching job. Uh, Pierre LeBron of TSN reported that the Devils have started interviewing people for the head coaching job, including Gallant. Um, and there have been others that have been interviewed as well for the position. So we'll see what happens uh, with New Jersey. Uh, I would as you know, again, Philadelphia fan, I would hate to see a great coach like Gallant go to New Jersey. I think he could really do some damage there. But it got, here's my question for you, then, Mike: If Gallant is possibly considering New Jersey because they're clearly not where they should be, yeah. they're still in that kind of rebuilding mood. Um, hence, they'll get another high draft pick. Um, could he consider Detroit instead? Because he not only has played there, but he has strong connections with Steve Eisman, the current GM of the Detroit Red Wings. And you got to imagine yeah. that. that just, yeah. We've made that uh, reference before. They've been close, so I could see an interview for Detroit as well. I could yeah, so see it. I could see them us yeah. be hiring them. It's up to Gallant. If Gallant wants a rebuild and he's that close with. Uh, Eiserman. Eiserman, yes, thank you. Um, <laughs> then maybe he'll go there if the Jersey wowed him enough. And if he wowed them enough, maybe New Jersey, they have a little more, couple more pieces. So maybe. But he just got out of Vegas. Yeah. Where he was in the playoffs. So for me, if I was Gallant, I'd probably right now not want to go back to a, a yeah, a uh, rebuild, a rebuild for sure. And that makes maybe sense. closer to competing than yep. rebuild, but uh, yeah, we'll see. Mm-hmm. We will see. Unfortunately, all the teams that are around the playoffs kind of made hires after yeah. they were fired. Unless who's coaching Dallas right now? Um, um not that I think they'd what's this? Name? No, um. Rick Bonus. Rick ba- bonus, bonus, bonus. Bonus. Um, 
I did have an interesting thought, though. I, I doubt it, but what are the odds? Oh, maybe that... Minis- I would say maybe Minnesota. They're kind of in that. A good option. What are the odds, though, that Gerard? So let, let's say Tampa Bay, for whatever reason, fires uh, John Cooper. Imagine if Gallant goes to Tampa Bay. That'd be a really hot spot for all the coaches, but it would be. But I think all what Gallant could do with Vegas. What do you think he could do with Tampa Bay? Exactly, but that would mean Tampa Bay would be firing Cooper, but they just gave him a contract not too long. Right. Hey, we've seen crazy things happen. We have, but I don't see that happening just yet. Yeah. Um, I do have one other thing, actually. Yeah, go for it. So I talked to you before we got on about Mm. the Russian 5 documentary. Yes. I almost forgot about this. I think it came out in 2019. But if you haven't seen it, it's on Amazon Prime right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I would actually suggest watching it, even if you aren't a big hockey fan. It's actually a really good documentary, kind of documentary these five Russians that joined the Red Wings, their runs, not completely making it to the cup, but always being around there. Uh, and just the first kind of Russians to be implemented into the National Hockey League. Well, mm. obviously Cold War and all that was happening. Um, it's a really good watch if you want to watch it, but I kind of feel like talking about that now. So Yeah, no, we can't. Uh, uh, nothing else going on. It's still hockey. Yes. Right? And I yeah, right. like that documentary a lot. And that's it. Um, and and if to- you don't know who the Russian Five is by yes. any chance, uh, the Russian Five consisted of Sergei Fedorov, Slava Fetisov, Slava Kozlov, Igor Larionov, and Vladimir Konstantinov. Uh, these guys during the uh, 90s, uh, they all played together. Um, some acquired by trade, some acquired by draft, um, you know, it was what have big, you. Yeah, it was a big deal when they drafted them, too. It was. Uh, it, it, it was. It was, it was, it was also Steve. Uh, Steve Yarzeman near the end as yep. well. Yep. Um, uh, you, you had a whole bunch of these tremendous players, and uh, the and if I have to rank this Flyers team as closeness as any other team, it's that Red Wings team. They were really yeah. close. Oh yeah, because again, one thing that helped bring them together was that Konstantinov uh, limousine accident that ended his career unfortunately unfortunately and, and then they played uh, the next year for him that that was won. only days after they won the 97 cup and then 98 they came together they rallied and they won the cup uh, dominating washington to win back to back stanley cups mm-hmm. and the, one of the coolest things you'll ever see they brought Konstantinov on out on the ice in his wheelchair and Stevie they, they, i don't even think they even knew he was there watching um I or maybe they did they, they i think they did. I, I can't remember. I, I want to say because, they, they did. Yeah, I remember them saying they just panned over to him and he was in the stands. I forget if they said they if they weren't sure if he was actually at the game or if they just realized. I got you. Um, I can't and remember. Then there was a big, loud, loud uh, applause for him and everything. Yeah, but something that was that so awesome, was, though, was that was he also, got him the cup. Also, uh, hockey community-wise, nobody felt any animosity because they won that cup because – of that situation and everything. Yeah. Yeah, no, but uh, all in all, though, the documentary. But that was a, the one thing I want to bring up was uh, 
our good buddy, uh, Scott Stevens from New Jersey, who Flyers fans know very well from Lendros's hit. I didn't realize until I was watching the documentary, he had another one on Detroit that kind of messed him up as well. Yeah. On, I think it was Steve Yarzman, I think. Probably. Yeah. And I know it was another one where it's kind of questionable, but it was like this asshole. Yeah. But that was the thing that was with that team was that they had such great skill, but if you hit them around that they would just crumble. And that's how Colorado beat them. That's how all these teams kind of beat them every year. Yeah. And they were finally able to get every year. They're able to get more of these kind of Russian players because the unit, they worked right together. Oh my God. They were phenomenal. Uh, so it's and they, funny even show, they like show like the different kind of playing styles playing and how style. they played that versus the traditional kind of thinking of playing. Yeah. And, and they and just, Scotty and the funny Bowman, thing was, it was yeah. just that they were saying, it was just keep away. We're just playing keep yeah. away. <laughs> yeah. Um, so a very similar documentary to the Russian five um, is Red Army. And that's another tremendous documentary. That's not only about the Russian five, but it's just, you know, the Soviet hockey team mm-hmm. during it kind of goes over their history a bit, and, but specifically focuses on like that nineties era and everything. And one of the best things that they, they did is when they are interviewing Scotty Bowman, he went into the locker room. Uh, and this is during a practice or something. It was something, something like that. He's, and he said, uh, he went up to all five guys and he said, guys, I don't know where you learned to play like that. I have only one request don't change anything and he kept them all together and when they're on the ice together they were pure magic not only that but their playing style included a lot of one-touch passes but when they Mm -hmm. saw a play that they didn't like when they orchestrated it they brought it out of the zone and they reconstructed everything and and that wasn't like the NHL uh, back then, and everyone was just blown away by their playing style. And that was a big thing because obviously the miracle on ice. Yes, that whole thing with the, what, the United States being Russia and everything, or Soviet Union at the time. Yeah, uh, and how, but even if, and both those documentaries, and even uh, the thirty for thirty documentary was on the same thing. Miracles of Men. Yep. Um, but that Russian the way the Soviet Union and how they trained those Russian players. Oh my wow. God. It was brutal. It was brought up in the Russian five documentary. It's brought up and, in every one of these. And how, Red Army. Yeah. Um, how tough these guys go. And I'm assuming yeah. it's not as tough as what Ivan Provorov does. No. His training, but I have a, now a better understanding of maybe how hard he goes. Yes. Uh, so per perfect example of how intense these guys are, so uh, a player's uh, – and, and also, like, just coaching-wise, um, the, the coach's uh, management style. So Victor Tikhanov was the head coach of the uh, 1980 team for the Soviet Union that lost to the U.S. Uh, but at one point – I can't remember when this was, but it was still when he was head coach uh, of the Soviet team. A player came up to him and, and asked him if he could go home to see his dying father in the hospital just to say his goodbyes. Tikhanov would not let him go see his father. 
Mm-hmm. That's how intense these guys are. That's how much they care. It was hockey. About I, I think it was it was brought yeah. up in the Russian Five documentary. It was like you ate, you worked, or you just played hockey. You just practiced. Yeah. And it's just it's it. unbelievable. On or trained, it was one of those things. Yeah, the training sessions. It was like six hours a day, like mm-hmm. two. It was like three or four hours a day, like two mm-hmm. uh, two training sessions a day type of thing. It was unheard of. It was like daily too. It, it, it was like you would. Oh, I cannot so I, imagine that. So it kind of makes sense why they were so dominant at right. the time, but also why some of those guys, wow, the wanted to defect. Uh, and, and the first one uh, was Alexander McGillany, who came over to uh, the States, and he actually, because uh, the Buffalo Sabres drafted him one year, and they snuck him out of. Uh, Russia, and um, they, they they drafted him, and, and before he, everyone knew it, in the middle of the night, he he left, and he defected, and he played in the NHL. He was the first one to, to go there. That's what they were bringing up in the Russian Five documentary too. Yep. When they had yep. to tell him that these two guys were drafted, he was like these. Like he showed him like a note or something, and said you were drafted this yeah. by the Detroit Red Wings. Yeah. <laughs> And then there was like the one meeting where they were playing the Russian team. I think the Red Wings were playing the Russian team in Mm. Detroit, and they met up at like two in the morning or something like that with one of the Mm. players. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Fedorov. Yeah, I think it was. But uh, it's just both documentaries are phenomenal watches. Uh, Mm -hmm. Obviously, we have all the time in the world to to watch right now. uh, Mm -hmm. But it's a good kind of feel good story. It, it really is. Um, it, it's very interesting. And, and as a like Flyers Mike said, fan, yeah. I was only a couple months old, so I think as that young, I think I'm the only one that could say that because other Flyers fans that probably lived it and getting swept by the Red Wings, that Red yeah. Wings team, probably feel differently. But I, I know my dad fine. does. I'm perfectly fine losing to that team. Yeah. But that's just me. Other Flyers fans absolutely see it different. This way we oh, yeah. see the 2010 Flyers losing that one. That's how fans probably feel that way as well. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. All right. Because so, even in that document, it was mentioned that the Flyers were the ones that were expected to win that cup. They were. Because, again, the Legion of Doom was just absolutely wreck, just wrecking everybody that year. And the whole team together was clicking left and right. And no one really thought Detroit had that chance. And they proved it. So, and that was another thing it. that happened with the Flyers too. There was a couple of big hits that the Red Wings gave on Flyers players, and the Flyers just weren't able to go back. Yep, that's exactly right. But still, I will change my ruling. The greatest rivalry ever: Red Wings Avalanche, because that just went players, organization, everything. They hated each other in the nineties. Oh yeah, it was. <sighs> It was bad blood every single game. Oh, man. It was all started by the one, you know, situation in the playoffs, but still. Yup. If you want a good rivalry. Chris Draper hit. Yep. If you want to look at a rivalry or look at a history of a rivalry, if you got the spare time, and you probably do, with nothing else going on, check out that one. 
That's obviously yes. not around now because Red Wings in their Eastern Conference now, Colorado is still in the West. So they obviously don't only play each other twice now. So the rivalry is not as what it used to be. But if you want to see what it was at the high point, either watch Russian Five documentary or look it up somewhere because there's absolutely some probably YouTube video or some documentary that's documenting how that rivalry is. Oh yeah, well, hundred percent. You you can you could easily find something. Just literally type in Colorado Detroit. Uh, 1990 rivalry or 1990s rivalry, and something will pop up. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. It is. I think In fact, that, I might go yeah. watch that right now because it's so entertaining. It is. I like that. I think that's where we're going to end it. So Jeff can go watch that. Yeah. All right. Um, I'm sure we'll be back again our roundtable podcast on Tuesday. But uh, hopefully, you guys enjoyed us coming back, talking hockey again. Um, but be on the lookout again. Our highlights are still out there. We've got two more on our countdown. So uh, be on the lookout for that. And uh, with that, that's where we're going to end it today. So uh, see you.